When I met Luisa for the first time, I was going to teach her how to make peachy. She had joined an open day at the Jules Kitchen studio, when it was still in my house, where we were supposed to talk about food, food writing and food photography, and of course, cook and eat a lot. I was there, beginning to explain how to make peachy, when I discovered who she was. She told me she had an agriturismo in Val d'Orcia, and that she makes peachy daily for about 40 people. Then I saw her at work, rolling peachy like a machine. I ate a humble pie and we became friends. We went to visit her at Il Rigo, where we fell in love with her family and her hospitality. We meet when we are both in the low season and we can take a little breath. But during the busy months, we are cheering each other from afar. Today, she is the woman I refer to for flowers, wild herbs and flower arrangements. I owe her an infallible method to make pichy and many memories that smell of strawberries and pecorino. Before starting this new episode, thank you for all your comments and feedbacks on our podcast. We are also writing down a list of ideas for the next episodes, having friends over to record interviews and conversations. If you do not want to miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcast, or wherever you are listening to a podcast. If you like this show, please consider rating and reviewing the show. It makes a huge difference and it would help us enormously. Remember that you will find all the links to the recipes we mentioned today in the episode show notes. Also, don't forget to visit juleskitchen.com for more information and to discover new stories and recipes from Tuscany. And now, let's start. Ciao! My name is Giulia Scarpaleggia. I am a Tuscan-born and bred country girl, a home cook, a food writer and a photographer. I teach Tuscan cooking classes in my house in the countryside and I've been sharing honest, reliable Italian recipes for 10 years now through my cookbooks and my blog, julskitchen.com. If you love everything about Italian food, big crowded tables and seasonal ingredients, join us and follow this podcast, Cooking with an Italian Accent. Welcome to Cooking with an Italian Accent, episode 16. Today we have a special guest, my friend Luisa Cipolla, owner of Il Rigo, an agriturismo in Val d'Orcio. We recorded this conversation a few weeks ago. She came here and I treated her with a leftover lunch, something I do with family and close friends, friends that feel like family. Before lunch, we sat at the table with some iced tea and we had a chat. Ciao Luisa, welcome. Uh, I'm really happy to have you here today. Thank you so much <laughs> for the invitation. <laughs> so we are, we'll try to do these uh, things quickly because we have a lunch waiting for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you please introduce yourself? Sure. <laughs> okay, so I run uh, a family business in Valdorcia, which is a small region of Tuscany, south uh, of Siena. It's uh, an agriturismo. So for if you don't know what it is, it's basically a, a, an hotel in the countryside where the work is shared between tourism, so we have rooms and the restaurant and agriculture. And uh, this business is uh, set up in, uh, in uh, estate houses and lands that belong to my family since nine generations, so it's wow. a long history. <laughs> and uh, my parents opened the, the agriturismo, so the tourist part, 30 years ago. And now since seven years I'm running um, the place with my husband, so I took over from 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 them, and um, so we we do have 
agriculture. We grow cereals mostly in our farms, plus we have a small olive grove and of course a vegetable garden and flower garden. Mm. And plus we have 17 rooms shared in two historic buildings from the 17th century and the restaurant that is open every day for our guests. Wow, so it looks like uh, an ideal life. But probably uh, you can tell us something a bit more interesting. So which is your typical day at Enrico? So it, I want to say it's for sure a dream life for me because it's in the end a lifestyle that, that I, I couldn't imagine being anything else in my life. But of course, uh, there's, there's a lot of work. My days are full packed of <laughs> things to do from the morning when I wake up and there's uh, breakfast to be prepared, uh, bills to be made. And then, of course, we every day spend a lot of time talking with our guests and advising um, what to do in the area and helping them booking their activities. And then there's time to be dedicated to the garden <laughs> and to the animals. Then normally at lunchtime, me and my husband, we are free. It's the only meal that we can do together sitting at the table. And then afterwards there are check-in and then cooking for the dinner that we serve every day. Then dinner <laughs> and then maybe a small glass of grappa afterwards. <laughs> and sometimes then too. Bed. <laughs> sometimes too, yeah. So... Basically, when you have a small business that is your own, you are, well, you are supposed to, to take over a lot of tasks, which is also the nice thing of it. So I, I'm happy my job is not keeping me behind the desk all day long. So I have the chance to do a lot of things outside. I can cook, I can do gardening. I, you know, I, I get to do many different things, which, which is really nice. Yeah. But it's... Many things. <laughs> so you have so such a, a busy, busy life. Do you have uh, downtime once in a while? What do you like to do when you have some free time? So we have a big pause in wintertime. We are open from the first days of March until the middle of November. So we have three months mm -hmm. of low season. Well, of course, we have a lot of things to do. We do mainly maintenance works in the house, renewing. You know, it's all building and needs to be repainted and restored and everything. And we, we do also some, you know, I don't know, marketing works, new website. But that's also the time where we, where we have a bit of free time. We go maybe on holiday for a couple of weeks. And uh, it's good to, you know, uh, put the first gear and, and learn to, to take your time. Because normally during the season, it's really, you know, a long, a long ride. Yes. <laughs> we, we don't have a, a weekend. We don't have a free day. Maybe in seven months, we can take three, four days, five days where my parents are replacing us. So we can go not too far. We normally like to drive maybe just for an hour to come to visit you <laughs> or not too far. We normally yeah, like yeah. drive for one or two hours to have just a weekend. But that happens really a couple of times yeah. in this season. Yeah. So, you know, Valdolcia, Valdolcia very well. Uh, you, all your life is there. What is special there? What uh, can I guess find in Valdorcia that is nowhere else? Unique. Uh, for sure, the main thing that attracts uh, tourists in Valdorcia is the beautiful landscape. 
It's just when you think of Tuscany, actually you're thinking of Baldorcia. It's just <laughs> yes. completely iconic. And, uh, you know, the, the soft rolling hills, cypresses, the lonely houses on the top of the hill, a lot of sun. That, that's the Valdorcia, the, I don't know, the, the lines of cypresses. A landscape. Uh, Lands, a postcard. Photography, postcard. We yes. really do live in a, in a postcard. Also, the position itself of Irrigo, I think, is so lucky mm -hmm. because we are, uh, I think, 300 meters high. So we are not too high, not like in the mountain and mm -hmm. not, not too low. So like the horizon is always such a beautiful soft line, a curve of a, of a hill everywhere, 360 degrees, wherever you look, you have really a, a postcard. And that's yeah. the main reason why people are coming to us. We work a lot with, with landscape photographers yeah. that come to enjoy yeah, the, yeah. the beauty of the landscape. And then, of course, arts because um, the, the whole area is, is just um, full of beautiful medieval little villages, untouched. Also the, the, the history itself of the Valdorcia is quite interesting, so to, to be able to discover these gems, um, hidden gems, some of them no one knows about and they are just so well preserved or kept. <laughs> and then um, of course, the third, the, the third thing after landscape and then arts and history is for sure food. Food, yes. <laughs> that is one of the reasons I love to come back to Irrigo, yeah. to eat your food yeah. and the fish. <laughs> and uh, cuccini di pane e pecorino, so yeah. bread and pecorino cheese. Yeah. And uh, fennel, wild fennel mm, pesto. Yeah. Um, what else? Um, wine. Uh, wine, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what for the food for me? <laughs> so tell us a bit about the food. Where did you learn to cook? Who was your teacher or inspiration? Do you have an inspiration now? What do you like to cook? So I learned from my mom and uh, she's really good cook. Mm -hmm. uh, she also studied. I think she didn't learn from my grandmother. My, my grandmother is not the best cook. <laughs> <laughs> But my mom, she's really, really mm -hmm. a good cook. So she gave, and she's also a scientist. So mm -hmm. she, she's an agronomist. And I think her approach to kitchen is quite scientific. So with her, I really learned the, the basics, the techniques, the, the, the hard bone of the kitchen. And who is your inspiration now? My inspiration now is for sure the food itself. So, I mean, something I uh, came closer in the last years was gardening. And I found so much interesting and gives me such more satisfaction cooking something that I grew myself. Mm -hmm. So having a vegetable garden, which is not the easiest thing in Valdorcia because our conditions are quite bad for yeah, growing vegetables. <laughs> yeah, we have a soil that is composed 80% of clay. Plus, we don't have much water to irrigate. Mm -hmm. And the dry, windy, sunny conditions don't make our life easy for vegetables. Though, <laughs> I love to forage as well. So in the springtime, I use a lot of wild herbs and greens. Mm -hmm. Like and your then, fennel, wild fennel pesto. Uh, I still remember it. It's fennel so good. pesto is one of my favorite. You know, it's wah, so delicious. And many other greens that you can forage. It's quite inspiring, the mm -hmm. nature and the, and the garden. That's yeah. my inspiration nowadays. Yeah. And what do you like to cook? I love to cook desserts, mm -hmm. so cakes and sweets. <laughs> I have also a, a sweet tooth, you say like that? <laughs> so I love to cook them and to eat them, and that's, that's my favorite, cakes. I remember the cake you made for us the first time. Uh, it was a cake with strawberries and roses, pet uh, rose petals. 
It was, uh, was the half frozen dessert? Yes, it was yeah. that. Actually, it's a kind of a version of my parents' wedding cake mm -hmm. that I changed through the years. Yeah, it's a, a semifreddo, so mm -hmm. not an ice cream, but something that reminds yeah. me. Like that. years ago, and I still remember that. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah, very that's good. My it was great. Uh, so let me ask you another question. <laughs> Food is so you like it. You like to gardening. You like to cook cakes. But then, looking at your Instagram profile, there's another thing that you really love, something you're really passionate about. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. <laughs> so that's um, for sure you're talking about flowers. Yes. <laughs> I was talking about flowers. Yes. It's uh, really a, a, a passion that grew in me in the last two, three years, maybe three years. And it all began um, just before I was, um, I was getting married. I was following some profiles as everyone to have inspiration for my, for my own wedding. And I found this uh, lovely uh, wall garden in England. And then uh, she was growing, you know, a variety of multitude of flowers I've, I've never seen before. Things you don't normally buy in a, in a florist shop, a normal one, in, for sure not in my small village. And so I, I, I fell in love completely with what she was doing. And I, I, I traveled to England to visit her. And I really lost my, my heart <laughs> for this place. And, uh, and, and it combines growing. So, uh, you know, a strong connection with, with the farming and gardening. And, and then, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how it was, but, but I started uh, growing flowers in my garden. Plus, I always loved as a kid to, to make, you know, wildflower bunches. Mm -hmm. was something I, I can always remember to, to be doing when I was a kid. I don't know, walking through the hills and collecting bunches of wild carrots or whatever. But now I discover behind it uh, a whole new world <laughs> of of informations of people as well i met i met so many people that are as passionate as i am so it's yeah it's connecting and uh, so in the end i i do grow flowers beside the vegetables mm -hmm. in the garden and, and you have a beautiful garden well, it's like a dream oof, i don't know <laughs> for me that i can kill also uh, i don't know a cactus uh, <laughs> i'm very good at that Your garden is beautiful. Oh, thank you. I mean, for sure, there's a lot of love in it. Uh, but as mentioned before, the conditions are not ideal for anything. Maybe for wheat, they are ideal, <laughs> but not for, for flowers and vegetables. But I don't care. Mm -hmm. I keep going on. I, I try to grow as much as possible wild varieties that I know that they can cope and survive mm -hmm. with the condition we have. I love to collect seeds and to exchange seeds with my friends. <laughs> it's really like, a, and uh, yeah, and, and it's good that we found a way to use them also into the business because in the end, hospitality offers many mm -hmm. opportunities to share your passions, yes. whether it is food or wine or flower arrangements, Flowers, yeah. because that makes the difference when you make your yes. seasonal table. Yeah, do you have like some uh, tips? Uh, because you, you have been a big, great help for us because we were setting our tables for the wedding uh, and you gave us uh, lots of tips. So something to share with our uh, listeners, the how to arrange how flowers. To arrange flowers. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the biggest tip I can give to anyone that loves to add something to their table is just to start to look at nature with a different eye. And it's what I do usually, even when I make a big wedding, um, 
in the end, you don't have to buy, you know, bunches and bunches of imported flowers to have a beautiful arrangement. Mm -hmm. Just start to open your eyes and look how beautiful is the nature and grasses and branches and wildflowers. They can be as beautiful as garden roses. Mm -hmm. So just change the, the approach. And, um, and I think it gives such a big pleasure to, to add that yes, to, your, to your life. You know, we need more contact with, with, <laughs> with whatever nature surrounds us. Even if you live in a city, you can have a Sunday off and make a stroll and, and pick a bunch of greens mm -hmm. and they can last for days and days in your, in your flat and add, you know, that touch of, of nature, of something that is alive. Yeah. That, that I think everyone needs. So I cannot, I, I know I cannot live anymore without gardening mm -hmm. and growing my flowers. <laughs> Something I cannot, cannot live without. <laughs> Now a difficult question. Do you have a favorite white flower or a favorite flower you're growing? Hmm. That's a difficult like, question. Well, which I is, love... Which is your favorite children, child? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I love a lot of wildflowers. So really, they, they, they make me crazy. Even the, the, the most humble ones, like the thistles, for example, mm -hmm. which we have many. And, and they, of course, they are thorny, so it's not even the <laughs> most friendly wildflower. But when they are in full bloom, and normally it's a short season of blooming, maybe two or three weeks, and they are, wow, so exotic, you know, mm -hmm. so bright. But then so many others, also the broom, You know, when it's in full bloom and the air smells for, mm -hmm. for, for flowers, it's, it's quite amazing and it's very impressive. And then for the grown ones, I, I love roses. <laughs> I know it's, it looks like a, you know, a, a simple answer, but it's for sure my favorite flower. And it's not easy to grow where I am because it's so windy and mm -hmm. the air is very dry and they like moist in mm. the air, I think. So I, I have many and they maybe sometimes only bloom <laughs> for a week, but I fully enjoy the Just flowers. like my mom, she loves roses. Yeah, yeah. And there are especially, you know, the, the, the wild roses mm -hmm. or the, the simple, delicate petals, not the stiff mm -hmm. roses that mm -hmm. are full of preservatives <laughs> uh, that I find in the forest that I don't like. I, I like the, I don't know, the, <laughs> the wild ones. The wild ones and so delicate and yeah. I think it's a beautiful flower. Yeah. Yeah. Do you cook with flowers? I use a lot of edible flowers, especially for decorations. Um, also because um, some of the savory flowers are not growing so well. For example, the... Um, oh, in English. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, I, I, I use a lot of, of edible flowers to decorate the cakes. Mm -hmm. I don't know, corn flowers, mm -hmm. snapdragons and dahlias. And then some savory ones I add to the salads, mm. like this... Um, this uh, wild grapes, you know, mm -hmm. the yellow flowers. Mm -hmm. It's, mm -hmm. I think, a kind of canola or wild scent, something like that. Wild mustard. Yes, wild mustard. Scent is German. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, poppy mm -hmm. also. The petals are pretty nice. Oh, no. oh nastur nasturch nasturtium? Nasturtio. Nasturtio. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> that is a, a gorgeous, savory oh. uh, flower because it's a spicy taste. Mm. Really nice. The buds and the leaves, mm. if you put it in a salad, they really add something else, like the wild mustard. Mm. Now, I'm really, really nice. waiting for the Jerusalem, Jerusalem artichokes to bloom mm. because 
because they told me I can do a pesto with the flowers. With the flowers? Because it tastes like artichokes. Really? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I have my Jerusalem, Jerusalem artichokes are yours. Oh, so <laughs> they're growing now, oh, really? finally, that's thriving. You know, I didn't and I'm know waiting that. for the flowers. I'm waiting for the flowers. They say they have the same taste of the root. Mm. So I'm really looking forward to add them to salads or to make a pesto with that. That's really interesting. I didn't See? know about that. One thing about flowers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so we're going toward the end of our interview. My last... No, it's not the last question. Uh, which was your favorite dish uh, or food um, when you were young? Okay, I thought about this question. <laughs> uh, it's maybe strange, but it's something I really used to love as a, as a child, which is boil kettle tongue in jelly. Oh. I love it. I love it. And my dad, that was something my dad was cooking. So it's boiled mm-hmm. and then it's finely sliced mm-hmm. and then covered with jelly that is made with lemon. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's, I love it. Do you still eat that? Do I still do. Like, okay. I still. Yeah. As a kid, I, I loved a lot of things that now I don't eat anymore. Like, and that usually kids don't and like. And that usually kids don't like. I don't know, for example, another probably you will think it's disgusting. But as a kid, I loved fried brain that's the only thing i cannot eat is the texture yeah i don't like it when i was a child now i cannot anymore just because i'm overthinking when i was a child i was completely in love with it i could eat you know yeah a whole brain yeah 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 absolutely now uh, yeah <laughs> no, not anymore. Okay. I wanted to ask us to give us a recipe, but not a brain recipe. No, 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 brain, right? <laughs> so, would you like to share a recipe? Um, yeah. Uh, so, there's something that pops into my mind right now because it's, uh, it's a summer recipe mm-hmm. and something I, I cooked in the last days, and all the time I prepare it, I love it. And it's very simple too, so it's good, <laughs> uh, which is uh, lemon tagliolini. Mm. So uh, first you need to make the tagliolini, okay. <laughs> which is easy. Fresh <laughs> pasta. Fresh pasta and tagliolini are, you know, the, the thin ones. Which well, kind of flour know. do you use for tagliolini? I use my own. Mm-hmm. So, but I always add like a 20% of durum wheat flour mm-hmm. when I make the tagliolini because they are so thin, I don't want them to break. So it's a type one, which mm-hmm. is the finest you can get with a stone meal. And this berna, it's an heirloom grain that we grow in our farm. Mm-hmm. And then 20% of dorm wheat. Most of the time we have Senatore Cappelli. It's another heirloom wheat we, we grow. That's fantastic. And so in the end, the, the tagliolini are quite, you know, not really al dente because you cannot make al dente fresh pasta, but they are. They, they have, have a consistency. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. And then you make uh, the sauce uh, with butter, room temperature, and you mix it with uh, lemon zest, of course organic, because otherwise it's full You're of... You're just eating wax. And yeah. <laughs> And then parsley, mint, mm. garlic, and parmesan. Mm. And you mix all together. So there's quite an amount of butter in mm-hmm. the sauce. And then you cook the tagliolini. And then you have to, to mix it like a pesto. Mm-hmm. So you add a couple of spoons of the water when you cook the pasta. And you can decorate with a little bit more of zest. And a, a, nice. know, a leaf of mint is fresh, is delicious. Ah, yeah. Very short cooking, so just the time to cook the pasta. Yeah, very, very easy to make. Mm -hmm. You just keep the butter outside of the fridge for half an hour so it becomes soft. Don't try to do with the hard butter from the fridge. That doesn't work. That's the only (laughs) thing you can go wrong. And and now it's easy to have a soft butter. Yeah, exactly. It goes very, very quickly in my kitchen (laughs) in this day. So, yeah, try because it's worth it. We're going to try it. Maybe during the next cooking class. (laughs) Okay, so thank you so much. 
for the time, Thank for you. the talks, for the flowers, for for the recipe of the pishi <laughs> and for everything else. And you can find all the details about Luisa in the episode uh, show notes. So her Instagram profile, Il Rigo um, website. Oh, last question. If someone wants to visit you, mm-hmm. how long in advance they have to book or to inquire? Yeah. A bit in advance, because uh, there are some periods of the year that are really highly demanded. Mm-hmm. So, but let's say six months is okay. okay. And if they want to get married there? Uh, if they want to get married there, one or one and a half year in advance. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> yeah. take note. Look for details, <laughs> because if you want to have an unforgettable, uh, unforgettable wedding or experience <laughs> or holiday, you have to go to Irrigo in Valdorcia. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Ciao. <laughs> Word of the day. Learn the Italian language of food word after word. Every year, more than 200 people join our cooking classes. Speaking with them, I made a small dictionary of important words and pronunciations that can help you navigate through the immense world of Italian food. So, if you love Italian language as much as you love Italian cooking, these are a few words that can be useful for you. Today's word is pici, P-I-C-I. They are thick on made spaghetti, made just with flour and water. It is a very simple and poor kind of fresh pasta. It is typical of Val d'Orcia and Val di Chiana, here in Tuscany. They are quite local, so it's not easy to find them, say, in Florence. They have a chewy, dense texture that is very similar to udon. They are vegan, on their own, remember, no egg in the dough, but especially good with a rich wild boar meat sauce. They are also typically dressed with a garlicky tomato sauce, pisci all'aglione, or with fried breadcrumbs, pisci con le briciole. If you want to make them, you find our few recipes in the episode show notes. This is the end of today's episode of our podcast, Cooking with an Italian Accent. I'd love to hear from you. Have you ever been to Val d'Orcia? Is there another part of Tuscany you'd love us to explore for you? Share with me via email or with a post or a story on Instagram using the hashtag cooking with an Italian accent and tagging Jules Kitchen. If you have questions about Italian and Tuscan cooking, just email me at jules at juleskitchen.com or join our Facebook group, Cooking with Jules Kitchen. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcast, or wherever you are listening to a podcast and share it with your friends. You will find all the links to the recipes we mentioned today in this episode show notes. Don't forget to visit juleskitchen.com to discover new stories and recipes from Tuscany. Ciao!